Let us take a moment to pray before we think about God's Word. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be true and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I wonder what Christmas films you're looking forward to watching in the coming weeks. Do you have a family tradition, maybe, of watching a particular film every year? And maybe it would be something like Miracle on 34th Street, or It's a Wonderful Life. Maybe Elf, Meet Me in St. Louis, or even the classic The Muppet's Christmas Carol. There's so many to choose from, and if you're at home, please in the live chat, share some of your favourites. In each of these, there is a story of fortunes overcome, of struggles faced and battles won. Often the stories we go back to are those that are stories of change, of freedom, of redemption and a new life, a new future secured. Last week we began a new sermon series that will see us through to the end of December, focusing on the first chapter of Matthew's Gospel, which began with these words. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And we dug into some of the names and titles here, Messiah, David, Abraham in particular. We saw that Jesus was the fulfillment of these promises made long ago to, by God to his people, and that the initial people listed by Matthew show the welcome of God to one and all, that no one is written off. In those opening verses, we saw more of the identity of Jesus as the promised Messiah, and also are more of the identity we are to have as followers of Jesus, that we are welcomed into the family of God and sent out to invite others to share in this good news as well. Today, we move on to the next portion of the genealogy. And as you look over that list and maybe try and recall some of the stories of old that we might have heard in the New Old Testament, and then take a bit of a wide-angle view, what do you see in that list of people? I see story after story filled with dysfunction. In the family line of Jesus, there are a lot of skeletons in the cupboard here. Many of the individuals listed were, were wicked kings of Israel and Judah. And even going back to last week's portion of the genealogy, we find broken people as well. Jacob, who was a deceiver and a thief. Uh, Judah, who sold his brother into slavery. David, who was an adulterer and murderer. Tamar, who engaged in incest. Rahab, who was a prostitute. Time and time again, the individuals listed here are not the folks you would imagine the f being in the family line of the Messiah. The people here, both this week and last, are flawed, weak-willed, selfish individuals with some very shady stories. They're a real bunch of misfits, actually. So what are we to make of this list? What are we meant to see about the family line of Jesus? Well, first off, I think it shows once again the welcome of God, but this time amidst all of our brokenness. 
Because not only does the family line of Jesus have a backstory, we each have a backstory. In each of our lives, there is brokenness, there is imperfection. And still, God calls us all home to Himself, and He is ready to welcome us. One author, Brenning Manning, wrote The heart of Jesus, which is the heart of God, loves us as we are and not as we should be, beyond worthiness and unworthiness, beyond fidelity and infidelity. He loves us without caution, regret, boundary, limit, or breaking point. This is the love of God for you and me. This is the welcome of God extended to you and to me. No matter what you have done or who you are, God loves you and welcomes you. He is ready to welcome you home into his family. Just look at that list again of individuals in the family line of Jesus. And from all eternity past, God planned to come into this family. He chose that. Jesus chose this particular family. He knew what was coming. None of it was a surprise to God, and yet he still chose to identify with them, to become part of that family line. Friends, another author put it this way. The grace of God is lavish, excessive, outrageous, and scandalous. God's grace is ridiculously inclusive. Apparently, God doesn't care who he loves. He's not very careful about the people he calls his friends or the people he calls family. The grace of God is indiscriminate, foolish, impractical, unrealistic, crazy, and naive. I wonder, friends, I wonder what's in your story. I wonder what you're facing just now. I wonder what you've faced in the past. And whether it has maybe in your journey through life sown a seed of doubt about God, about whether he would ever welcome you home, whether he would ever delight in you and value you. I wonder if there are skeletons in your cupboard, which maybe you try and keep hidden from others and maybe you even try and keep hidden from God. Well, you don't need to. And you don't need to doubt either. Because we see in the family line of Jesus the welcome of God and his love for broken people like you and me. Friends, this Advent season, do you know the welcome of God? Do you know his grace? All of us are broken. All of us are flawed. Just like the individuals in the family line of Jesus And all of us are undeserving. We're all on the same level. And yet, we are all also welcomed home. Nevertheless, the grace of God is not only there to welcome us, but to save us, to redeem us, restore, even restory our lives. You see, the the people in the family line of Jesus were broken people like you and me, but 
They were broken because of sin, because of a deep darkness and sickness that is in each of us. Jesus came not only to reveal the welcome and grace of God, but to do something about our underlying condition. In fact, it's so key to the identity of Jesus that it's part of his name. Remember, Matthew began saying, this is the genealogy of Jesus. To us, a name is little more than a word. But in the culture of the time, a name carried meaning. And Jesus meant the Lord saves. And as we'll see in just a few weeks' time, the angel said to Joseph, Mary will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. God not only wants to welcome us, he wants to save us. He wants to restore and restory our lives. In fact, he wishes to do this for the whole of creation. When Matthew says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, literally the Greek reads, this is the book of the Genesis of Jesus. And that would have made the Jewish readers of Matthew's time think about the start of the Old Testament, where God began another Genesis, the Genesis of creation itself. Matthew is trying to tell us that the coming of Jesus is a new beginning, a new creation, a new Genesis, and that this is for all nations, for all broken, sinful people. This Messiah came to save, to restore, to restore our lives and the whole of creation. The Apostle Paul would one day say, if anyone is in Christ, if they follow Jesus, the new creation has come in their lives. The old is gone. The new is here. Friends, Father God accepts you as you are. Backstory and all. And then as part of his family, part of the family line of Jesus, he wants to restore your life, weaving your future, your future story into the great and cosmic story of what he was up to at Christmas. That Jesus, the Messiah, had come to bring about a new creation, starting with the broken people of this world. Friends, your past, your backstory, doesn't need to define your identity, does not need to define who you are, or your value, or your future, because Jesus came to save, to restore, to restore your life and mine. I will never tire of telling my story of how God broke into my life at the time when the darkness of my soul was threatening to have gone so far and just lead me down some dark paths. And in that moment, I met with the grace and welcome of God. He welcomed me as I was. And since then, he has restored my life time and time again. And I wouldn't trade anything in the world to change that. I wonder, do you know that through Jesus? Can you tell of him restoring your life? Or maybe you're wondering, 
How can I know the welcoming grace of God? How can I let God restore my life and save me? Well, later in Matthew's gospel, when Jesus began teaching, he said this. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent. That's how we let Jesus restore our lives. It's more than simply saying sorry. To repent is to have your thinking changed about Jesus that it affects your identity, the core of who you are, and so how you live out your life. When you repent truly, you make the choice personally to follow Jesus so that his teaching, his ways, his example become your way, that you follow in his footsteps and you increasingly want that to be seen in your life. Now, we won't ever get it perfect because none of us are. We're still broken. But if there is genuine repentance, then there should also be a desire in us to allow Jesus to shape and lead our lives. This should be core to our identity. Friends, if you want to be saved, if you want your life restored and restored such that we know the grace and welcome of God, then it begins by humbling ourselves before the cross of Jesus. We need to repent and call out to him for help. If we do that, God always responds. He always welcomes home anyone, no matter their story. God welcomes home such a person to be part of his family. Brothers and sisters, every season of Advent is a time to remember the greatest of stories, not captured often by Hollywood. And yet in this story, the story of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, we find a story of struggles faced and battles won, a story of change, of freedom, of redemption and new life. Because in the story of Jesus, in his family line, we see the grace of God extended to broken humanity and the invitation to us all to find ourselves in him, becoming a new creation, and so having our futures restoried. I pray that each of us, whether for the first time or the hundredth time, may repent this Advent and come into the life that only he can give. May it be so. Amen.